Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Go! What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Quotes and Chokes podcast, episode number 17. I'm Nick Angeloni. I'm Arup Pogosian, and our guest today is uh, Jose Shorty Torres, USC flyweight contender, seven-time World MMA champion, Titan FC 125-135 champion, uh, two-time UMMAF, IMMAF champion, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's yeah, so much more. <laughs> Check, check the Instagram bio, get the rest of the details. We're happy to have you, Shorty. Uh, welcome to the to the podcast. Well, it's a pleasure to be on. Thank you, guys. Yeah, man. So what's new with you, man? What's been going on? Uh, besides fighting life, man, I don't have anything planned. You know, I'm just doing my thing. I'm traveling the world. I just got back from Brazil, coaching Julian Robertson uh, for UFC Sao Paulo. Oh, nice. You know, I went to St. Louis, coached some of my fighters. Now I'm here in Denver, just training, staying ready, and just trying to stay in shape. It's, it's one of those things that my last loss, given uh, for a lot of people who don't know me, I was on a 33-fight winning streak. The last time I lost was in 2010. 33-fight? Wow. That's the last time I lost was in 2010. So it's not a culture shock that I lost because it's part of the sport. It's just so I have it in MMA. I ended up going for a big winning streak. Yeah. It's the fact of how I lost, and it's it's nice to get my feet back in the ground and really try to figure out why I lost and what's next for me. And you're one of those guys that epitomizes somebody who grows from his losses. Like there's people that there's not an ounce of uh, doubt in my mind that makes me think, oh, that loss is going to affect you in some way. I think like. It's pretty clear that this loss is uh, just an, is kind of a catalyst in making you even better because you got this learning mindset about you. Like after practice, before practice, you're always breaking things down of how you can improve. When you say uh, how you lost, uh, what do you mean by that? You know, for for me, it's it's not the skill. You know, because I believe everyone in the UFC can beat everyone. We're all to that point. Yeah. But it's the fact of. You know, I wasn't mentally there for that fight. Given for whatever reason, I have all my, my plenty of excuses. But no matter, at the end of the day, I still lost. So we have to look at what I did in the fight wrong and what mentally leading up to the fight led me to lose. Okay. You know, so for me, it's how do I have to improve myself that much more mentally? Besides the training itself, which I'm really I'm working with Trevor Whitman, Dwayne Ludwig, and all the guys here with Team Elevation. It's more of what I have to prepare for mentally to make myself that much better. Again, the first time I lost in MMA... I got so nervous, I was full of anxiety and all these things happening, but after I lost, I was like, cool, I can do whatever I want, let's see how this goes, and I don't know, I go on a 33 fight winning streak because I had a positive mindset, I went in there going, why not, I already lost before, I didn't know how it feels, now this is kind of like a refresher of my very first loss again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a big thing with like, um, kind of, what's the, what's the phrase that, uh, that growth mindset? No, it was, uh, it was like extreme, basically extreme acceptance. I was like, I, I wish mean? I was growing. <laughs> <laughs> that, those days have passed. Um, no, like uh, like extreme acceptance, you know what I mean? Like where it's just like whatever happens, like it's, it's not about winning or losing. I'm just going to go out here and like kind of enjoy it and see like see where it takes me. And obviously you want to win, right? But it's, it's the fact of how many times you try to do something 
and it just doesn't work out as planned. But when you don't try, somehow it happens with ease. It was great, yeah. Like that's that's usually how it how it's been. At least in my thirty three straight fights. Given yeah, there were some fights. Obviously, I wanted to win more than others, and I trained harder for it because of it. But it was the fact of I was just doing my thing. Mm-hmm. Now I thought too much of it, and I got too much into my mind. And I just wasn't there because of it. So yeah. overthinking is what led you feel like overthinking. Out of it. Overthinking is sometimes even thinking too little. You know, not even at the, for me in that fight, it wasn't overthinking. It was just being careless and not caring about it whatsoever. Because again, given again, there were so many reasons behind it. But if you look at it from the outside point of view, thirty-three fight winning streak, you kind of think you're almost invincible. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, oh, I can beat anybody. I've Seven taken multiple fight shots. Winning streak, you think you're invincible? Yeah. I, so multiply that by it. I'm only on a four fight win streak, and sometimes I feel like I get a little bit overconfident. So. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's for me. I've been through been through a lot just as a professional. Yeah. I, in one fight, when I bumped up to fight for the 35-pound championship, my second belt, I ended up breaking my hand and tearing my MCL in the first round, not even oh, knowing really? it. Well, at least my MCL, I knew my hand was broken, but I still kept on going for five rounds, and I dominated the rest of the fight. Yeah. After the fight, I was like, oh, you know, obviously I'm in pain, but then you're just like, wait, I can fight with a broken hand, I can fight with a torn MCL, and still win these fights? Like, the mindset you have after, you get cocky. Oh, I still have knockout power even with that? Oh, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. So... You know, again, it doesn't. This fight doesn't bring my feet down to the ground. It actually kind of digs me in the dirt a little bit. Now I'm trying to rise on top and see where it goes from there. So you feel like you you were a little overconfident going into that fight? Uh, I definitely was or a little overconfident. Uh, it, it was a mixture of both. You know, the biggest thing for me is I do have a lot of PTSD with weight cutting, and I cut. Yeah, you know, I <laughs> really do. Cut. From I, I, dude, I have extreme PTSD from weight cutting. It's bad. You get the butterflies in your stomach when you think about weight cutting. Dude, it scares the hell out of me. You know, so like. For me, I fought Jared Brooks in a nine-day notice until I got my UFC debut. Yep. They told me if I didn't make weight nine days, I was cut, which that's just – they were trying to keep it fair, sure, which is not. But that's not fair it was 26 pounds in nine days, and I'm a flyweight. So that's pretty much around quarter of my weight. Yeah. I made the weight, but I didn't perform to the best of my ability. So naturally, I was prideful. One of the reasons why I wanted to fight again so quick was I just want to go, go, go. Then I found the fight much earlier than what I wanted, and I was like, screw it. I know I can beat this guy. Let's Let's do it. And – it was 28 pounds in 20 days, and I still made the weight, but leading up to it. I mean, was this the last fight? Or the yeah, fight? with the last fight. Oh, so so in two months, in 155. So okay. in two months, I cut around 54, 55 pounds, and I'm only, you know, flyweight. So that's a little more than quarter of my weight. It's like 30, yeah. 40% of my weight. What weight do you... Um what weight do you fight at? Like, so I fight at 125. No, no I, I mean like, around a, at like what, what do you weigh when you go in? Fight there. Like 145. I'm about 20 pound difference. Damn. Okay. So I gain I gain about 20 pounds. That's a, a lot. For 24, a 36 hour notice. Yeah, I'm fat. <laughs> my, my, <laughs> even my weight manager special uh, likes to call shit. me Jose Chubby Torres when we have fun with it. But <laughs> it's, it's the it's the fact of. It's not that I try to bulk up because, you know, like boxers, oh, I try to get this weight, and they check their weight before, and it just seems like a a big spectacle. But for me, I just, that's what my body usually is at, you know. And to put it in perspective, on average, I fight at 155 and fight them about 170. Yeah. So about 15-pound difference, and I'm a much larger man. Mm -hmm. So I'm fighting 155, there's only 15-pound difference. You're fighting at 125, and there's a 20-pound difference. Mm -hmm. You know what they do in California now? They um, they weigh you before the fight. Mm-hmm. They do like a second weigh-in, and you're only allowed to gain ten percent back. And if you weigh, if you gain more than ten percent back on that second weigh-in, uh, it's like right before your fight. It's like when they do like the rules. Um, you you still fight, but they force you up for your next fight. They so they red flagged me because my last fight was in L.A. Oh okay. And, uh, 
leading up to the fight, I was still 20 pounds over. Again, it was a last-minute fight. So when they called me, they go, hey, you're you're at 150, you're fighting 125, you're way above the 10%, we're not going to allow you to cut it. And we explained the last fight, and I go, dude, I've cut 26 pounds in nine days, I know I can make it, this is going to be a lot more uh, a lot more healthy, it's still not going to be fun, but I could do it. Given <laughs> at this point, I wish you know California would have just kept the red flag and, and just said, no, you can't fight, because uh, it would have taught me a lot, but it's the fact of, you know, I was able to convince them and still compete, but it the weight cut affected me so much mentally. I mean, you've guys cut weight before, where you get hangry, the whole Snickers commercial type oh, yeah. thing. And <laughs> I just, I dude, I hundred percent yeah, just wasn't myself. You know, like I leading up to the week, it didn't matter who I would have fought that day. It could have been some random Joe Schmo, or it could have been the champion, you know, Demetrius Johnson at the time. I more than likely still would have lost. So you think it's just because you, you weren't in your right state of mind because you. Like lack of food, lack of calories, lack of it, water. Part it's, of it's, sure. it's not. It, well, it's definitely you know. The, when I say weight cut, I don't say lack of food, lack of water, because that's part of any you know single training camp. It's the fact that it affected me so much that I just wasn't mentally thinking about the fight. Okay. Even when my first UFC you. debut, it was the fact of I made the weight. I was like, yeah, well, you made the weight. I'm not getting cut. Oh yeah, I got to fight. Oh man, <laughs> uh, man. And then I get dropped by a wrestler. Yeah. You know. So it's one of those things. that's like. These things in the fights, my, mainly my last two, since they've been UFC and last minute notice, 29 days to prepare for two <laughs> high-level fighters, UFC fighters, that's nowhere near enough time to do that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not Donald Cerrone. Donald Cerrone can do that, but he's already a veteran. He's had, what, 12, 13 fights in one year, which is awesome, but he's already had multiple years in the UFC to prepare for the spotlight, prepare for the moment, to prepare for whatever, yeah, every single fight. Right? Like, yeah. You know, you know so. so it's 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 a fact of, you know, it's a mindset thing, and that's why, like, I have my own YouTube series now, Inside Team Shorty, where you really have to think about it. It's like, there's so many things about MMA, you just, yeah, there can be all these technique videos, which is awesome, but mentally, I mean, how many times, you know how to do a Dars, but sometimes you're just not confident to do it, so you don't even try to do it, but it's been there the whole time. Yeah, so yeah. it's kind of like the mental side of it? Yeah, it's 100% the mental side. I mean, how many times have you gone into work, and everything's going great, but there's just that one day at work, just, for some reason, you're doing the same exact thing every single day, but for some reason, it's just it's just not your day. Yeah. For me, my last fight was just not my day in the office, you know, so it's it's 100% mental. What do you do for your uh, mental game? You know, yeah. a lot of people hire sports psychologists, you know, they vent, they talk to their friends. For me, I have my weight management specialist, which is also kind of like my sports psychologist. Him and I, you know, giving him a weight management specialist. Yeah, he, he, he doesn't, he, we don't, he's not a nutritionist, which he likes to definitely point out. But it's the fact of, again, sometimes you just need to talk to someone and hear another voice. Mainly, like for me, I travel the world when it comes to training. You know, I've talked talk to Dots and I've talked to TJ Dillashaw, I've talked to Khabib and all these great guys where it's like, Everyone has a different mindset, or sometimes I'm struggling with something, so I ask them. They more than likely have been through it, they're veterans, True. and they'll give me their insight. And that's what I'm trying to do with my YouTube series now is give amateur fighters, mainly amateur fighters, my insight as well. Yeah, one of the best things for your mental game is really just um, experience, having experience, right? Like every time you fight, your mental game gets a little better. The, the trick is like is gaining a solid mental game before you've already you're done with your career before your body's worn out and you know what I mean trying to get it kind of early enough which is where you go to like more experienced fighters and getting those those tips right or where now like younger people can go to you go to your YouTube channel things like that and kind of learn learn those lessons like without having to because you learn your lessons through failures right mm-hmm. even if it's not like losing the fight but a little short failures within the fight and things like that or like things like okay I did that wrong but maybe you got away with it but it's like I did do that wrong yeah. and you learn you know so people can go to more experienced fighters like you you're taking a shortcut when you talk to an experienced fighter they've already been there done that like, right yeah if you could take what they're saying like you save yourself a lot of time yeah. 
Yeah, without going through like trial and error. Yeah, yeah. The people learn in two different ways. At least from what I've seen, they learn through mentorship. The big brother thing was like, "Hey, man, you shouldn't do this." Okay, you're right. I shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. Or through experience, you know, you touch the stove. Oh man, the stove's hot. Maybe I shouldn't touch it again. Right. Sadly, I'm the guy that touches the stove and finally gets burnt. Again, my last one, <laughs> I got burnt. But with my YouTube series, I'm trying to really implement. And I see other YouTube series as well, just like this as well. It's like, dude, there's a mental side to it. You won't know until somebody tells you. And even when you find out, it like again, you get burnt. It's like. Damn, they were. I guess they were right this whole time. Yeah. You know? So it's a, it's a hundred percent a mindset thing. I mean, how many times have you seen fighters, phenomenal fighters in the gym, even beating world, you know, UFC champions, but then they go into their spotlight, you know, King of the Cage, LFA, some regional promotion, Titan FC, stuff like that, mm-hmm. and they freeze. Not the same person. You know? And we call them. I like to call them gym warriors. Yeah. Know? It's yeah. like they can dominate everyone in the gym, but why can't they do the same thing in the in the cage? Mm-hmm. It's like oh. It's the moment. It's the light. Like the it's not. Themselves. It's not that they don't have the talent. We see they have the talent. It's the mental side to it. They freak out. They think too much. That's the trick. That's. I mean, that's. That's really the key, right? Like, I mean, I know a good number of people that are. At like at least like at the very least at the skill level to be in the UFC mm-hmm. and probably even doing well, right? But they're not there. Maybe they just haven't got there yet. But like, just not the same people in the fight. You know, like that's. Uh, Probably the hardest part about fighting is is because uh, you can learn the techniques. I would say the hardest part is can you pull it off from the light doing it when it counts. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and there's so many things: timing, the the position, all that stuff. So being able to figure out again, I can teach you a dart, and you can do it in practice all the time. But would you actually have the confidence to do it in the you know in the cage? Yeah. So yeah. inside team shorty focuses on the the mental game. Of it. Yeah, it's more of the mental thing. It's more of a you know, for me, I've always wanted to be a big brother. I'm, I'm the younger brother, and uh, I've always wanted to be that type of mentor to go, guys. You should not saying this is going to work for you, but try to follow this path and eventually veer off into your own style and veer off into your own direction. But this is a nice little blueprint to what could happen to you. <clears throat> Last week after sparring, not uh, not this Friday, the Friday before after sparring, uh, me and you were talking. You were giving me some pointers afterwards, and you said a real good thing. You said, uh, I write down. After each sparring session, I write down three things, no more than that, because after that, it becomes too much. You can't focus on it. So three things that I need to, three takes away, three takeaways from that sparring session. Yeah. Go ahead, keep going. Okay. Uh, and throughout the week, I work on them, and then I try to implement that those three things on my next sparring session, and then I analyze. If I had implemented it successfully, it's done. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can move on to three new things. If um, you know, if I didn't, then I work on them another week. And, like, I started doing that. And those all the, the three things we talked about from my sparring session, I've made the adjustments and, boom, the growth was exponential. Mm-hmm. Versus, like, just growing slowly, kind of, like, passively. This is way more active. Yeah, it's it's the fact of now you're starting to put out the goals. You know, a lot of people come to practice and say, oh, cool, I'm doing the practice. And eventually becomes a routine where you're just doing the same thing mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And you really lost track of that goal like yeah you're obviously trying to get better lost learn, track of the goal but it's the fact of okay you come into practice and you go man I'm getting hit a lot, a lot in the face okay <laughs> cool let's not get hit in the face today in practice yeah. like okay yeah that might happen but what's gonna help you what you gotta what simplify it even more it's like why are you getting head, you know, hit in the face why? a lot yeah. are you why moving are you back too much with? are you moving to the side are you moving your head are you getting kicked are you getting punched or whatever the case may be so you really have to break it down and then write those things down hey did you check it off cool it's off Add something else to the list so you can keep on growing up that ladder instead of just going, cool, that's done. Now you got those two things left. And once those two things are done, what's there to reach for? Yeah. Um, we're going to take a quick break real fast. Yeah. And then we'll come right back. Nice. 
All right, we're back. Um, so let's get into, uh, we were talking a little bit yesterday at the gym about um, kind of dealing with discouragement and, and things like that. Let's talk a little bit about, about that. It's, it's crazy because, you know, I've seen fighters, you know, here at this gym and every other gym, hell, even with myself, of, you know, you might be losing one day in practice or just you get dropped. I've been dropped multiple times in practice through body shots. TJ's dropped me multiple times through body shots, which I still hate today. But it's the fact of you have to get beat up in practice to learn. You know, if you're the alpha male, if you're the best one, then what are you really getting out of it? You know, compared to you're the guy at the bottom, obviously working your way up, you're the underdog trying to come up and prove a point. But if you're the favorite and you're always going to be the favorite, what's it really matter? I mean, you can't always be the hammer. Sometimes you gotta be the nail. Yeah, sometimes you gotta be the nail. So you know, some guys they get they get beat up in practice and they get discouraged. For example, there's been three ways that I've seen. One is, oh man, I got beat up today. I I don't want to do it anymore. You know, somebody gets dropped. Oh, you know, I'm I'm hurt. Sorry. Oh, it hurts. I'm gonna go home. And they just that's that's their day. That's their bad day at work, and they give up. Then there's guys that are losing, but they want to win. But they can't figure out how, so they kind of cheat. They kind of work out of nowhere this this master no plan way. Yeah, <laughs> and, they, and they do master plan ways to like you know get by and, and win the match so they can feel better about themselves, only themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's guys that you know, like yourselves, is you get beat up in practice, but okay, cool. Like you're saying, <laughs> like you're saying, write write it down. All right, cool. These are the notes for the next sparring match. This is the next sparring session. All right, cool. I'm gonna get better, 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 better. Yeah, yeah. If I keep on losing, cool. At least I know there's always something I need to work on, which automatically there always is something. Yeah, yeah. Again, it comes down to that growth mindset versus yeah. fixed mindset. And some people yeah. think, okay, I'm as good as my practice. That defines me. Mm-hmm. Some people think I'm gonna. This is how good I am right now, but. If I fix my mistakes, I would be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really comes down to that. Dwayne, Dwayne always says we're here to grow. We're here to get better, not see who's better. Yeah, you know, there's only uh, a couple times a year that we got to go see who's better. You know, and that's that's really what it is. Like, yeah, you want to be the best guy in practice, but once you get there, it's like, oh man, I need to find some guys that are gonna beat me up. Yeah, I, I tell you, like I've, I've been in situations like um, brief periods of time, like throughout my training, where I was one of the best guys in the room and uh it was not good it's, it's, not it's good. boring like it for one and then and i almost you'll almost get worse because mm-hmm. you're you can get away with poor habits and, and it's still poor habits all that pressure of like maintaining your position like you're you're the best guy you can't make you can't allow yourself to make any mistakes because like if you go with some like amateur guy and you like you lose a round to him like it's embarrassing to you because you're already in, the, in your head you're like the you're top the, you're dog the you're not ever, allowed yeah. to but if you're going with guys that you know have accomplished more than you and like you can try new stuff and it's you're more forgiving of your own mm-hmm. mistakes it's it's it really, again it's the mindset it's how you take you know things in life you know how do you take a punch to the face you can give up you can try to cheat to get it give it back or you can figure out a way like you cheating. know to to see where it goes next he cheats <laughs> he's the cheater <laughs> you ain't cheating you're not trying there you this go. guy will shamelessly just put your like so i've got a, a bunch of pairs of like king of the cage gloves for mm-hmm. my fights and uh there was they're solid gloves and like one one of them is like ripped through the fingers mm-hmm. And it Don't was, blame it on me. It was pretty new when it ripped, and I remember getting out. I'm like, "Oh, this rips!" And I'm like, 
how did this happen? And I'm like, because this fool's always digging his claws inside uh, my gloves. Hey, I think, I think you he did it out though. I think, I think he did it once. I was like, is that legal? <laughs> Screw it. I'm and still gonna, I'm still gonna ask, take him down. Is that legal? And I asked, can the ref see it? <laughs> I was like, I was like, is that legal? Don't matter. I'm still gonna take him down either way. <laughs> yeah. Um, sometimes it's good though. It's like it's um, it's almost like uh, it's kind of the same thing as when you do jujitsu. Ju- when you do jujitsu in the gi, mm-hmm. it's like you can't like rip out of things, even though that's not going to happen in the fight. But like if you get used to someone holding your gloves and you can like technically break grips. Let so. me break it down. I will not do that if the ref can see it. So <laughs> only if my hand is hidden, then I will do that. And most fighters will do it like that. So it will happen in the fight. Yeah. It has happened before. I mean, even you look at the Conor McGregor Khabib fight. Conor yeah, grabbed, blatant, you know, Khabib's cage, or he grabbed uh, Khabib's shorts multiple times, you know, trying to get up or trying yeah. to keep him from uh, advancing position. So there is, again, there's different ways to cheat, but again, it's a mentality for it. Yeah. You know? I wouldn't blame somebody. If we're in a fight, they held my gloves. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I've had a fight, my LFA fight, uh, at the very last, like, there's like a 30 seconds, minute left, and there was a scramble, and he grabs my shorts pulled me back and almost he ended up on my back but I kept scrambling and I ended up on top thank mm-hmm. god but like I wasn't mad at him for a second like even though I knew he pulled me uh, he got to that position because he pulled my shorts I was like I ain't mad at you at all dog in, in my head because <laughs> yeah. there's no time I'm like I just gotta adjust right now like it's already happened like I would have probably done the same thing he was, mm-hmm. it was out of desperation like you're doing everything you can do to win yeah so, like, I switched to spandex after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no more shirts. What, what was it like um, going? You know, coming up, having all these fights. Um, you know, watching all the. So, I feel like so the generation of fighters before us, they were watching like the old UFC. You know, and like which is totally di- different. You know, <clears throat> and then they be, kind of became what we think of now as the UFC, and as far as like where what fighting looks like and how the techniques are, and. It wasn't the same like spotlight. But uh, guys that grew up fighting, watching like UFC one, mm-hmm. and then they were fighting in like UFC seventy, UFC hundred, and stuff. Those are two different things, you mm-hmm. know. And now, like like in our generation of fighters, like we're watching like the big show, and, like the big lights, and we kind of hold it on that pedestal. And then getting there, like, and then kind of being in those lights. Does that cross your mind, like when you're in in the moment, or like what is that? What is that? What was that feeling like, kind of crossing mm-hmm. that barrier? Honestly, making it to UFC is awesome and saying I'm a UFC fighter. I finally do UFC. It's pretty yeah. cool to say. But, um, <laughs> sorry, Bellator guys. But, no, <laughs> no but it's, it's the fact of there's, there's no difference. You know, everyone thinks all oh, the lights, the moment, this, that. It's like you fight for LFA, you fight for Titan, you fight for all these promotions, King of the Cage. There's going to be a crowd there. There's going to be lights. There's going to be people. There's going to be cameras. So be it. it's the same what thing. It just happens to be a bigger arena. What about yeah. the level of competition? The level of competition, you know, I, I say this for Titan FC, like the big regional cards, Titan FC, King of the Cage, LFA, stuff like that. All the main card guys are pretty much UFC caliber guys. It's just yeah, the right. fact of them getting noticed. Yeah, yeah. So for me, being the double weight class champ and multiple time defending, I think I was uh, five-time main event for Titan FC out of my seven fights there. You know, so for me, being able to go into the UFC, now I'm the very first fight, and I think... The last one was a UFC Fight Pass prelim uh, main event. I was like, "Sure, cool. I'm, I'm all the way back in the in the beginning. I got to work my way back up." But it's 
again, it's a mentality thing. I never really care who I'm fighting. I don't care about the crowd. I don't care about anything. Mm. I'm just confident in my ability. But again, some people, again, they overthink the, oh, I'm in the UFC. This guy must be good. Oh, I'm in the UFC. All the lights. Oh, what if I lose? I'm not getting a pay upgrade. What if I, you know, this, that. It's like, yeah. it's going to happen. That's not. What do the, the lights and the crowd really have to do with what's going to go on inside the cage? Again, people yeah, I mean, think. It's what you, you make of it. People think about it mentally. You know, yeah. it's a fact of my. The funny thing is, my very first fight, World Star, was like really starting to become famous, and I never even put on a pair of MMA gloves before. And I was fighting a guy who was five and zero. I was zero and zero, and he was a thirty-five pound champ. Your supposed, very first fight. I was supposed to be fighting. I was supposed to be fighting at uh, <laughs> at one twenty-five. My opponent didn't show up. I sold tickets. I was like, yeah, I don't care. I'll fight anyone. And and I went what? in there, and uh, the one thirty-five pound champ, five and zero, all first round TKOs, and you know, was about to go pro and. Um, and you'd never put on a pair of MMA gloves yeah, before? Yeah, nothing. Because we only sparred with boxing gloves. Oh, okay. I was like, yeah, sure, you know. Yeah. I think the only par- pair of MMA gloves were for pancreation fights, but it's all, you know, body shots and that. Yeah. So by the time I got in there, I was like, oh, man, these gloves are small. Damn, this guy looks buff. Oh, man, there's there's so many fans. My friends and family here, they're all filming it because they all got camera phones now, wrestled, you know. Though, right? <laughs> huh? You had kickboxed and wrestled before that. I, I kickboxed and wrestled, but I've never done MMA. Right. So the big thing was I just won a Muay Thai championship. When I went in there, the first combination was jab, cross, leg kick. He picked me up, took me down, and I looked at the ref while like getting taken down. I'm like, hey, he can't do Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just one of those things that I, I wasn't used to transitioning it yet. Mm-hmm. I was used to just Muay Thai, just kickboxing, just wrestling. So when it finally all came together, the third round, I was really starting to really piece them apart. It was too late when I lost my split decision. That's yeah. your only amateur loss. Mm-hmm. And You're twenty I, and one, right? As an amateur, I was I was twenty five and one. Twenty five and one. Yeah, that's a crazy amateur record. So when you said uh, that your last loss was uh, two thousand ten, was that that fight? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. And given given again, there was a lot of things that were against me. I was like, ah, I'll take the fight anyways, which I'm happy because. It's the fact of if you do the sport long enough, everything's going to happen to you. Unless you're a Floyd Mayweather, again, still, I even think for him today, if he keeps on taking these fights at an older age, he's going to lose. Eventually, mm-hmm. he's going to get caught. Mm-hmm. You know, so he almost did by Shane Mosley. Yeah, I mean, he he got caught by plenty of guys. You know, but it's the fact of he was just able to recover. You know, good for him. But if he keeps on taking these last minute fights, Khabib maybe next or whoever next, like he's going to lose inevitably. You know, it doesn't matter if the guy's a complete underdog. You you never know. Somebody does this and just knocks him out. Yeah, it's the fact of if you if you walk long enough, eventually you're gonna slip. Eventually you're gonna trip. That's just how the life you know how world and, and the life works. So it's shorty it's breaking fact, down statistics. Yeah, you know. So it's 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 crazy how mental this game is. So people going, oh, I'm never gonna lose. I don't want to lose. It's not a video game. You can't play play fight night. You lose. You just turn off the game and restart, and now your guy's still undefeated. It's like yeah, yeah. I see that all the time. Yeah, right? no, I, I still I still <laughs> do it now. No I still do it now, which I'm still waiting for a fight night sequel. But it's, it's the thing of now your real life. You lose. Okay, what are you gonna better yourself? What are you gonna change? So hopefully that doesn't happen again. Yeah. Like more inevitably, it's gonna happen again. Again, we have Alistair Overham here. He used to be a champ in two different promotions. You know, we have freaking Curtis Blade, who was a national champ in wrestling, literally beat everyone, and then he comes into his first UFC fight and gets beat by Francis Ngannou. Like, it's it's a whole different thing, and seeing where these these people have come up after losing is, is remarkable. Well, if you look at anyone, anyone that I can think of, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but anyone that I can think of that has a, a really long, undefeated record, like with a full career, look at, like, the first half of that record. Mm-hmm. They usually... If you look at Khabib, I read something, so Khabib was, what, 26-0 before this fight? Mm-hmm. It was, so 10 of those people didn't have any wins, and then, uh, so that made him like 16-0, and then of those, of those 16, only like 
six or seven had winning records. Yeah. So like ten people had no wins. That's not like six that. Six or seven of them had blows my mind up. Or, 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 I know. Right? I never like I knew, never knew that. Well, you look at like Mayweather's yeah. record, like the beginning people he fought in the beginning. You know, so people like like you're saying, eventually, like everyone loses. Things are gonna happen. You know what I mean? When Your you look record at people, doesn't it define lost. you. Really? Well, it, it it does and it doesn't. You know, so when you see these guys, like for example, when I fought Alex Perez twenty and four, he had a much bigger record than me. But a lot of the guys that he fought were just random Joe Schmoes that were looking for a fight. Couldn't yeah. find one. They found him, and there you go. Right. But it's the fact of, um, we, we talked about Teddy Atlas, you know, off air. We talked about Mike Tyson. When Mike Tyson finally fought Evander Holyfield, Lennox Lewis, these guys were the best of the best. He lost. Right. You know, so I'm not saying, you know, Mike Tyson was awesome, and that's, you know, that's his thing. But, yeah. you know, people compare Triple G to Canelo. It's like Canelo's fought the best of the best. Triple G, technically, he's always fought like the silver medalist guys, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Right there, it's, you look at my record, and that's something I really try to instill because I'm a huge fan of Manny Pacquiao, he's division world champ. Look at his record. It's phenomenal. The guys he beat because they're all world champions. For me, I had a pro debut guy for my first fight. The next fight, the guy had 16 pro fights. I'm 1-0. The next fight, the guy's seven and two, about to go to the UFC. I'm only two and zero. Knock him out. Then I fought uh, the number one contender, which I called out, even though I was a champion. He was eighteen and two, and a UFC veteran. I was only three and zero. Knock him out in eighty six seconds. Then I bump up a weight. The guy's seventeen and seven, beat UFC and Bellator veterans, but I ended up dominating him out of five round fight with a broken hand torn MCL. The fight after that, the guy was seven and two at a higher weight class. After that was seven and two. You definitely so, took the hard road. I, 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 well, I, I always, I see this. If you're the champion, you're supposed to face the best. You're supposed to. I don't care about popularity. Like, yeah, obviously, want to get the the money fight stuff like that. But you're supposed to face the best of the best. That's your legacy. You know. How do you do? How do you, if you're two and zero, you're fighting a dude that's got nine fights. Like, how um, in your head, how are you? What's your thought process like? How are you thinking that that you have the experience to like hang with this guy? Well, for it's me, incredible belief. In well, for for me, my second fight, the guy had sixteen pro fights. I looked at it; he was a third degree jujitsu black belt. He was already older, kind of out of his prime, still like going into fight. And I go, wait, I've had twenty six amateur fights in MMA alone, but I had fifty plus in Muay Thai and kickbox, and I had hundreds of of college wrestling matches. You know, so I've, your I've amateur done, career fed your confidence. Mm-hmm. Well, it, you think about it, it's like a, a job resume. You know, who's going to get the job? If there's five people, but one guy has a resume like this, but everyone else has it like this, it's like, yeah, more than likely this guy's going to get the job done, right? Given anything can happen. But it's the fact of I took my amateur career as a, as a job resume. Who's going to get the job? The guy with the biggest resume. So I literally said yes to pretty much not just every fight, but every single event. Mm-hmm. And I hustled to make every single tournament, travel the world, and do so many things. But that's why I was the, at least what the IMF called me, the International Mixed Martial Arts Federation, one of the amateur you know, pioneers of the sport. Because it's, you don't see that in MMA. You see that in boxing. Oh, mm-hmm. we're going to the Olympics. We're doing the World Championships doing this. MMA is slowly getting to that. And I have 26. Another guy who won Worlds last year, I think, had like 31 fights. Mm-hmm. I think he was like 30... I think it was like 28 and 2 or 28 and 3 and it's just like yeah that's that's part of the sport that's how it works who cares if you lose look at why do you think Lomachenko even though now he's a three class uh, three weight world champion they don't talk about his pro fights the first thing they bring up is, is his amateur record yeah oh, he's 300, 300 and oh, yeah, 397 and 1 it's like yeah you have to talk about that right. that he has so much more experience over some other guy if I could give uh, one piece of advice to like any amateur fighter it would be to do all the competitions, like, do everything you can do before you turn pro. You know, do amateur kickboxing, do jiu-jitsu competitions, like, get experience, 
competing, you know, and then do all the amateur MMA fights. It really comes down. Don't to be you. in any rush because people like. We someone just saw this to us the other day. They're like, oh yeah, I'm trying to turn pro and make some money. I'm like, oh yeah, you're trying to make 500 bucks. Yeah. That's gonna be great for you. You know what I mean? Well, like, is that for the Alistair, bro? Yeah, well, yeah. It, it, dude. It's, it's. I mean, he randomly met him on the street. The guy came up. You weren't there when they were talking about it. He came up, started talking to him, and he's like, yeah, I, I train. And he's like, oh, Alistair told him come to uh, classes. Like he was just sending him to Easton's. This fool showed up to like pro practice. <laughs> and he's a big guy, you know how it is with yeah, big guys, they kind of let him, put him through the meat grinder, and that's yeah, how he was there. He was talking to us, and he's like, yeah, like, I'm into a lot of uh, uh, ninjutsu and uh, aerial <laughs> techniques, and yeah, like, oh, yeah, I was, okay. yeah, yeah, I'm I hoping was, to see a backflip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yeah, it was, a couple people have said it to me, it was like, oh yeah, I'm trying to turn pro and make money, he's like, pro, you're still not going to make money, you know what I mean? Like, uh, let's, like, let's, let's look at it this time. way. How many guys have you seen, whether it's you know even yourselves, I don't know what your amateur records are, but how many guys have you seen go 5-0, and 6-0, and 7-0 and, and go pro? Yeah. But they've been pro in, you know, we're in the city of Denver. They've gone pro in Denver, but they've never fought someone in Iowa. They've never fought someone in Florida. They've never fought the best. So you're a big fish in a little pond. Again, something I bring up in my YouTube series inside Team Shorty, but it's the fact of you don't know if you're the best. For me, I fought Chicago, went 10, you know, 10 straight fights. All right, cool, I'm going to go to Missouri. Then I went to Florida. Then I went to all these different places. Then I fought for a Pan American kickboxing gold medalist you know, in Brazil. And I'm facing pretty much the Americas, which was a freaking ridiculous tournament. Then eventually when I won nationals, you represent Team USA. You had to fight five times in one week. Holy shit. And you have to make weight every single day, which really sucks. Holy but shit. I fought five. Well, for me, I was I got to buy uh, for the first uh, two years, so I had to buy the first round. I had to fight four different countries in four days. You know, is so, it MMA rules? Yeah, it's MMA rules. So you're fighting the best of the best, their national champ for the world championship. So it is a huge, huge thing, and that's something that I tell people: is get the experience. Yeah. Oh, I, how many how many times do you see guys go? I'm gonna go five and zero. Oh, I'm gonna go pro. Hey, how about you fight that really really good guy from this state? He is looking for a fight. Why don't you fight him? No, uh, I'm kind of nervous about that. Then why are you turning pro? You want to go pro? Yeah. Why, what if you fight him going Should be pro? Should be any amateur. Yeah, why don't you just know? fight as an amateur? And if you lose, you lose. Right. There doesn't matter. You can be 30 and 0, 0 and 30 as an amateur and still turn pro. Mm-hmm. You know, so again, it's a learning experience. Mm-hmm. If you look at anybody, like like all the great um, UFC champions, like, because, you, you know, there was definitely a time period where those amateur MMA was not really a thing, yeah. you know? Um, and so I think a lot of people look at some UFC fighters now that didn't have a, a, like an amateur background. It's because it wasn't a thing. It wasn't mm-hmm. a thing, but they also but they they all did have com- a competitive background. Yeah, you know, they had hundreds of wrestling matches, or hundreds of jiu-jitsu matches, or kickboxing mm-hmm. matches. And or, that's what I was gonna say. You gotta get used to um, channeling those nerves, channeling those butterflies in formation. Yeah. Well, in any competition, so that's what you were saying. Yeah. As many competitions as possible. So once you get used to that, like you. You before your first, you were confident enough to take your first MMA fight against a guy with five and zero all knockouts because mm-hmm. you had thirty kickboxing uh, Muay Thai fights behind yeah. you, right? Uh, and your your wrestling background, you had that competition behind you, so that prepared you, that fed you the confidence to go into that. Mm-hmm. And same thing as when you turn pro, you you were fighting those guys with so much more fights than you mm-hmm. because you had the amateur background behind. You. It's it's a huge thing. I mean, wrestling, all these. They get you under the lights, you know. 
I was All-American as well, so sometimes you're under just the spotlight. You know, same thing with, with kickboxing. Just, you know, the level of, of, of competition you're going for when you're doing MMA, it's the same thing. It's just different rules. You're still going in there against one guy. You're still going in there to see who's the best. That's yeah. Um, well, I feel like uh, I got we got tons more to say, but we're, <laughs> we're running out of time here. Where are we at? We're at 35 minutes. Total? Total, yeah. Oh, okay. Still got some time. A little bit of time. Yeah. Well, you got anything you want to anything you want to say to everybody before we wrap up? We got about five um, minutes. you know, so if people want to follow me, my name is Jose Shorty Torres. Uh, Instagram Jose Shorty Torres, Twitter Shorty Torres one two five, Facebook Short uh, Jose Shorty Torres with quotations around the word Shorty. And if anybody wants to support me and my team back at home in Chicago, TeamShorty.com, twenty percent out of all the proceeds go to the kids in my gym so they can travel, train, get off the streets, and just get opportunity in life. Um, and again, if you want to follow my YouTube series, Inside Team Shorty, where I give the reality, the truth, and everything behind the scenes of the sport MMA, and it's, again, I, I try to dig deep from my own perspective and other, other fighters' perspectives as well, and I just appreciate the time, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah. Right. Before we, before we uh, do the closing, do you have, um, for all the young fighters and stuff out there listening, you can give them one piece of advice? Don't rush. You know, the, the biggest thing is, and I'm pretty sure you guys can probably say the same thing i know i say the same thing now and i i went pro at 23 is you don't turn you know you don't go into your prime until you're 28 32 around mm-hmm. that you know window mm-hmm. so why are you going pro at 18 you know it's like okay you could be a mike tyson hey that's awesome but mike tyson was a gold medalist in the olympics that yeah. makes sense uh, hundreds of fights but if you're five and oh in denver five and oh in chicago what the heck's that matter nice you know get a resume build yourself up stay calm stay patient yeah you're fighting for free you're fighting for the fun of it fighting for the love of the sport because once you go pro that's when start things start to get difficult and it's i wouldn't say it becomes less fun but you start to really venture off and you're like oh man i need to make money i need to get sponsors I need to do this I need to pay bills I need so again enjoy yourself as a as a young athlete coming up and uh, just like we always say enjoy yourself as a child you know because once you turn an adult it really sucks <laughs> but have your fun and do your thing and just, just be patient. If you lose, keep your head up and keep on doing your thing. You're bound to lose anyways. Not saying go looking for that, but just do your thing. Keep on learning and have fun while doing it. Nice, cool. Um, well said. Definitely. Uh, if you guys, uh, if you guys like the podcast, you want to subscribe, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker. You can also uh, subscribe to our channel on YouTube. We've got the podcast coming out every week, and then we've got two to three uh, technique videos coming out every week on the on the YouTube channel as well. Uh, you can follow the podcast on social media at Quotes and Chokes. That's on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Um, if you want to follow me, uh, you can follow me at Nick Angeloni one five five on Instagram, and uh, Nick the Italian Stallion Angeloni on Facebook. And then uh, Rube, you can follow me at Prime underscore Time nine 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 nine. Nice, cool, and that's on Instagram. Right? Yeah, Instagram. All right, thanks for joining us, guys. We'll see you next week. No!